May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So I'm very pleased to report to you that I apparently made it onto Santa's nice list this year. Um, and I know this because for Christmas I received many books. I've only read about half of them so far, but I think it's four or five of my Christmas books since Christmas. Each of these stories that I was given begins in a completely different way. North Woods, great book, opens with an almost magical scene of a young couple fleeing Puritan Springfield to make a life for themselves in the woods somewhere to the north in Massachusetts. The Wager, which tells the story of the shipwreck of the 18th century British warship HMS Wager, begins with two rafts full of castaways showing up on the shores, each one accusing the other of mutiny and murder. Umberto Eco's postmodern novel, The Name of the Rose, a gift from my complet major wife, opens with an elaborate prologue in which the narrator, or maybe the author, tells the story of the discovery or invention of a copy of a copy of a strange 14th century manuscript that either never actually existed or is quoted in a 1930s Italian translation of a Georgian book quoting the works of a 17th century Latin theologian, but which in any case the narrator chooses to translate into Italian and present. Uh, and then I'm reading, of course, in English. Turns out to be a murder mystery, for what it's worth. The way we begin our stories has the power to shape everything else about the way that we experience them, of course. And so I found myself mourning and rejoicing as the sylvan, woodsy paradise of the young couple of Northwoods is marred by violence and later flourishes and then declines again. I felt disappointed by the anticlimactic letdown of the totally undramatic court-martial at the end of the wager, which after the dramatic opening scene, I was expecting to be some big showdown, and it wasn't. I was delighted and intrigued by Echo's prologue to The Name of the Rose. I mean, doesn't it make you want to read a novel by an Italian postmodern philosopher and literary critic to know that it begins with a manuscript mystery before continuing on to an actual mystery set among 14th century monks? <laughs> I, I will admit I haven't finished that one yet. I remember when I was in middle school, we learned to draw the plot of a story with like the beginning and then the rising action and the climax and the falling action and the end, right? But beginnings, I think, are especially powerful because just those opening words of a story set you up for how you're supposed to experience the rest of it. So let's begin this morning as our service began with the beginning. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void. The first words of the first book of the Bible begin the story of creation as a story of God coaxing order out of chaos. Genesis begins with a world that is tohu vabohu, the Hebrew says, wild and waste. But the Spirit of God hovers over the waters, and she's poised for creation. And God speaks, and the word of God reshapes the chaos, brings it into order. God says, let there be light, and there is light, and God sees that it is good. These few verses that we read set you up for so much about the rest of the story of the Bible as a whole. There is one God who creates in peace and love, not a pantheon of gods engaged in some primordial struggle. 
God works through word and wind, through speech and spirit. And this world, this creation, is good, fundamentally and originally. But chaos always lies right beneath the surface. If you just take those verses and you read the rest of the Bible through them, it's not a bad start. From this first beginning, we flew forward in time 2,000 years to the decades after Jesus' death, when the Apostle Paul travels around the ancient Mediterranean spreading the good news. In our reading from the Acts of the Apostles, he arrives in Ephesus on what's now the west coast of Turkey. And he finds some disciples there, some people who are trying to follow Jesus. But it seems like their faith is only half-formed, or they've only gotten part of the story. These Ephesians share Paul's belief in Jesus as the Messiah, but when Paul asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They answer him like a stereotype of crusty old Episcopalians. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> We've only received the baptism of John, a baptism of repentance, they say. And then Paul tells them that there's so much more, not just repentance, but forgiveness, not just John's strange locusts and honey, fire and brimstone, but Jesus' teachings of love. And perhaps most importantly, there's not just God the Father in heaven and Jesus the Messiah who walked the earth, but this Holy Spirit Paul tells them about, now God working among them. And the book of Acts is really the story of that Holy Spirit, in the same way that the Gospels are the story of Jesus. So these Ephesians, who have been followers of Jesus, don't have a spiritual life, you might say. Spirituality, spiritual life coming from that Holy Spirit. And now they've received the second half of the story, and it's a beginning of something new for them. The Holy Spirit fills them with power, and the next chapter begins. The spirit that they receive in that movement, in that moment, of course, is the same Holy Spirit that comes down like a dove on Jesus at his baptism out there by the Jordan River. It's the same spirit that drives him out into the Judean wilderness to be tempted. And this is how Mark chooses to begin his gospel. We don't get literally Mark 1.1, but what does it start at, verse 4 or something today? Mark, we're pretty sure, was the first of the four gospels to be written. But Mark doesn't begin with the nativity stories we've just heard at Christmas, with the sweet baby lying in the manger. He begins with a grown man going down into the water to be baptized, rising and seeing the heavens torn open above him, and the Spirit of God flowing down out of them, hearing the Word of God declaring that he is the beloved Son of God. And a new chapter in the Christian story begins, a new phase in the relationship between the story of God and the people. These first words of the first gospel, the first story of Jesus we have, begin with his baptism and with the presence of that Spirit. His baptism, of course, is what we celebrate today in the church calendar, the baptism of Christ, the first Sunday after the Epiphany. The season of Epiphany is a season of manifestation, a season when we remember and celebrate all the ways that Jesus revealed God's love to the whole world. Our readings today are almost a tale of three baptisms, three ways in which God reveals love to the world through that combination of water and the Spirit. The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River by John, the Ephesians receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just as John had predicted, and in Genesis, the baptism of the whole world, the beginning of everything with water and the Spirit. Each one of these is a story of imperfection and love, 
of chaos and goodness. The disciples who'd received the baptism of repentance now receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God draws forth light from the murky chaos of the deep and sees that it is good. God tears open the heavens and comes down into the murky chaos of this world to declare a message of love, to invite those who have come to John the baptizer for repentance to come to Jesus for something more. Each of these stories begins with imperfect people or an imperfect world, but none of them end there. That's the thing about beginnings. The beginning of the story sets the tone for the whole thing, sure, but it is not, by definition, the whole plot. A story that begins with the beginning and has a middle of the beginning and ends with the beginning would be a very boring graph in my seventh grade English class. Sometimes, Beginnings come over and over and over again, even as something new begins, but the book draws to its close. And so I wonder, on this wet and chaotic first Sunday of 2024, I wonder what chapter of your story is beginning this year? And how can you bring some of that loving presence of the Holy Spirit into it? Is there some chaotic, water in your life, some formless void that needs the hovering of the Holy Spirit to coax it into light and new life? Is there some spiritual oomph that you need, some news of the Holy Spirit to transform the tedium of ordinary life into something more? Is there some repentance that you need, something you need to apologize for, or something that you need to forgive? Do you need to see the heavens torn open to really believe that you, too, are the beloved child of God? Or do you just need someone to look at you as God looked at creation and see that you are good? Whatever the story of this year begins for you, my prayer for each one of you is that the God who sits enthroned above the flood gives you the strength to know God's love and that the Holy Spirit gives you and everyone around you the blessing of peace. Amen.